from Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. The awful teens were muttering to each other, giving Gideon looks, giving each other looks, then muttering again. The wholesome older man leaned over and gave them some bracing rebuke. They subsided reluctantly, only casting the occasional dark glance her way over their soup and bread, not knowing that she was physically immune. Back in the ninth, she had endured each meal under Crux's fantastically dismal stare, which had turned gruel into ash in her mouth. A waiting, white-robed bone servant relieved her of her bowl and her plate almost sooner than she was done. She was quietly sucking tea through her teeth, trying not to drink half a pint of face paint with it, when a hand was stuck out in front of her. It was the hand of the kind-faced older man. Up close, he had a strong jaw, the expression of the terminally jolly, and nice eyes. Gideon was genuinely surprised to find that she was shy, and more still to find she was relieved by Harrow's diktat against talking. Gideon Nav, absolutely goddamn starved of any contact with people who didn't have dark missiles and advanced osteoporosis, should have yearned to talk, but she found that she couldn't imagine a single thing to say. Magnus V, he said. Sir Magnus Quinn, Cavalier Primary and Seneschal of Coniortos Court. From three tables over, the loathsome teens greeted his audacity with low moans. They lost all appearance of restrained respectability, and instead chorused his name in slow, hurt animal noises, lowing, Magnus! Magnus! which he ignored. Gideon had hesitated too long in taking his hand, and with the very soul of manners, he mistook her reluctance for refusal, and wrapped his knuckles on the table instead. Do forgive us, he said. We're a bit short on black priests in the fourth and the fifth, and my valiant fourth companions are, uh, a bit overcome. No, Magnus, don't say we're overcome, moaned the nasty girl, sotto voce. Don't mention us, Magnus, moaned the other. This is gothic. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama. As such, it contains material, including our jokes, that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. 99 plasma rifles on the wall, 99 plasma rifles, <laughs> take one down, break it down. 98 plasma, 99 rifles, plasma on rifles on the wall. Hey, Bill, you're getting into this. I never thought you would enjoy oh, singing man, this song with me taking inventory. <laughs> man, oh, you're in my head, man. Oh, I can't. This, oh, this can't I'm happen. In your head, Bill. Every time, every time. <laughs> Good evening, sojourners. <laughs> oh, Jesse said sojourners. We all have to do oh. our best Patrick impression. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> Good evening, Sojourners. I have a mustache and a ponytail that's really curly. <laughs> oh, God. You should see my ponytail as I ride my motorcycle. It's so curly coming out from underneath my motorcycle helmet.
These are the worst impressions. <laughs> I, I always love like because Patrick loves to post two photos: one with his motorcycle and one with his kayak. And I always uh, think yeah, to myself, I'm like, you know, it make it would make you think that he's like taking his kayak on his motorcycle. So I, now that would be a sight to I just, see. Yeah, I just always have this picture of him like carrying this kayak while trying to ride a motorcycle. You know what I think he should do is bolt a wheel to the underside of the kayak, and you could attach it to the motorcycle like a sidecar. Like a sidecar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sidecar yak. <laughs> Kirsten could ride in the kayak, but pretend she's paddling and just like. Yep. <laughs> My grandparents owned a fishing resort for like thirty years. And the place where people used to go to launch was uh, two miles down the down the road. So we'd had a, a pickup truck. We'd go down and launch boats with and bring them out and bring them back. So we, it was right about the time that like the first camcorders came out, like the big ones you had on your shoulder, and they got yeah. one. So what we thought was hilarious was to ride back in the boat while it's on the trailer, while somebody in the back of the truck recorded us, because from the right angle, it you could only just see the boat and the people, <laughs> and you didn't realize that it's just going being pulled down the road. Oh, that's and amazing. It, so we had, I mean, that was like our first venture into some sort of weird special effects, and we thought it was endlessly yeah. hilarious. My my dad and his siblings did something similar. They had a whole um a whole like movie that they made that was called A Briefcase Full of Death, and it was this like <laughs> mysterious briefcase. Yeah, yeah. And they were all like spy people and they would like run around and they did all kinds of uh you know, tricks like that. They did the thing where they, you know, one person runs across the hallway close to the camera and then they run across the hallway like far away from the camera and they're all running in and out of different doors along the length of the hallway. They did the thing where they turned the camera on its side and crawled up a, you know, quote unquote up yeah. a rock face to make it look like they were rock climbing. And, um, and they were all like trying to get this briefcase and, uh, you know, putting on, they had like a hat or something that they put on to make them look like, you know, different people. Um, but you could tell it was all, all them because they had all the same clothes. <laughs> and at one point they had like a fake gun, you know, that they would like wave around and stuff like this. At one point, the, uh, one of my dad's siblings like gets, you know, quote unquote shot with his fake gun. So he has this dramatic death scene. <laughs> and then this mysterious hand picks up the briefcase and starts walking down the sidewalk and it's my grandpa. And uh, they must have thought it was just so funny to have their dad come in and pick up this suitcase. You know? <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. It's yeah, creative. Yeah. It, was, it was really funny, yeah. Well, do we want to, uh, somebody want to kick this thing off? Uh, Dr. Laura? We probably wanna should. Um, come yeah. on board, maybe? Sure. Um, I imagine you, you hear like, over the intercom system. Please clear doors. Wapiti loading bay. Now activated. And there's, like, the steam hissing and and mm. the release of, of the pressure locks and all that kind of stuff. As, the swell of the as, music. Yeah. As the doors come down and the ramp comes down, and there at the top of the ramp is uh, uh, our good friend, Sharon. Oh? I was just thinking Ray probably would be the one to greet. Oh, yeah, if, absolutely. If you don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I was like, am I being sucked into the narrative right now? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, I, I see this person and describe what Ray looks like. Yeah, Ray is a tall man. Uh, dark, kind of a rich brown skin. He's got something in the cast of his eyes and his cheekbones that make you think of the Pacific Islands. And uh, just a big big white smile and big, big muscles. He's like, he's like 
I don't remember if we said what the uniforms look like, but you know, he's got the fabric straining um, against the sleeves where his biceps are. And um, he's got that classic, like uh, Marines, you know, uh, buzz cut, but, um, but he seems like the kind of guy who would have had surfer guy hair if he, uh, if he didn't have that. And, uh, and he immediately like before the ramp is finished um, dropping is stepping forward arms open uh, to welcome you onto the Wapiti. Dr. Lara, a very awkward, mousy uh, woman, uh, nearing her 40s, in her her mid to late 30s. You see her, and she's got kind of the gear on, but it's, like, wrong. Like, the buttons aren't buttoned right, the sleeve doesn't fit quite the, the right way on the wrist. You're like the kid that brought too much stuff to camp and you can't carry all of it? Yeah. <laughs> and and you see this huge like backpack looking thing. It looks kind of like a duffel bag, but it's like rigid and it looks like it's got sections and compartments. It looks like kind of like a scientist bag kind of thing, you know, but like large <laughs> like like army duffel bag size, um but with all those rigid edges and all kinds of different pockets and ways to get into it. And and she shifts it just a little bit as she's cradling this little succulent plant in front of her. <laughs> this as she's immediately, walking up the steps, immediately endears uh, Ray to you and is like, "Welcome on board. Uh, who did we have here?" And I'm leaning down to the plant and putting my finger out like it's a puppy, like, "Oh, who is this?" Uh, 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 this is Iris. Uh, my name is Doctor Laura Angels. Um, I uh, I believe I'm in the correct place. Doctor Wick sent me to this hangar. Um, uh, can you please yeah. show me to my room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Laura Angels, we were expecting you. My name is Ray Tanaka. And and uh, I found it intriguing that you named your succulent Iris. That is so great. Uh, yes, uh, Dr. Wick did let us know that you were coming on board. And I'm going to show you around the ship a little bit if you want, or you can go straight to your room. It would be nice to unload these uh, heavy uh, the equipment that I have, as well as my own personal belongings. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go on down. It's uh, uh, through to the end of this. Uh, what would this be like a cargo bay? Through to the end of this uh, airlock, and we're gonna turn a left in the corridor here. Thank you. Um, is it Mister Tanaka, Sergeant oh, Tanaka? Mister Tanaka was my father. You can call me Ray or Kaimi, but that's like my childhood nickname. Well, thank you, Ray. Uh, you're very kind. I try. And I follow along. As we're uh, walking down the hallway, um, I still am tempted to give you a little bit of a tour as we're going along. So I'm like, up that ladder, you get up to the, the well, the deck above this one. And that's where, like, the, the uh, that's where the, that's where the mess is. And, okay, so they technically will have salad for, like, the first part of this journey. But it's not going to be awesome. I'm just going to throw that out there and so and then down that hallway that's where you get down to the infirmary and that's where i work and uh down that hall that is where you get down to the cargo bay the one on this level there's another one on the level before that and there's a part where they connect and down that hallway uh and i'm just like going along down this hallway is is the gym and uh and uh so if you want to work out or anything it's like information overload at this point like uh yeah (laughs) yeah don't be intimidated by any of the big uh marines around here they're all big softies they won't act like they are but they actually are if you just talk to them in the right way 
I suppose that's a good moment for, uh, uh, since you're standing near the gym, uh, walking out is Wild Bill. Uh, he's apparently been in the gym uh, making good use of it because he's kind of got a good sweat on and he comes out with that cocky Marine swagger, you know, that, that you know, he's he's pretty happy with himself after, you know, such a good solid workout. And he's got the, the towel around his neck, you know, so everybody can kind of see those muscles that he's just freshly worked on. He's like, hey, man, you the new one? Hey, man. Is this the... Oh, no, she she's a... I'm sorry, Dr. Uh, Laura, are you a she, her? Just checking. You're silenced. Uh, yes. Um, this is a, this is not a man, actually. Uh, I did check uh, with her just now. Uh, this what is do you a mean, she, her, checked, Bill. man? That seems rude. What, like, Listen, you can't assume somebody's pronouns, dude. Yeah, but you said you checked. Like, how does that work? This seems like... I mean, I asked her ten seconds ago in front of you if oh, she used she/her. Oh, oh, that's what she meant. Okay, I thought this was some weird if, thing. Like, whoa! If Doctor Laura could get any smaller and like <laughs> suck into herself like a turtle, she would be at this point. Like her face is going red <laughs> because there's this half naked marine in front of her, um, uh, <laughs> and, and, that, and, that and all just... of these questions and all of this banter that she's not used to. Um, that probably just makes just Wild Bill a... smile more. He's he's probably pleased that he's created an awkward situation. <laughs> Would be. <laughs> um, <laughs> what kind of doc are you? Uh, a like a, a real doc um, or like an egghead doc? A little of both. I have a PhD in molecular biology and a master's in botany. Um, oh, it is it is nice to meet you, Mister. Yeah, they call me Wild Bill, man. Wild Bill. I am yeah. Dr. Laura Angels. Um, that is quite an interesting necklace. What do these symbols mean? Uh, at that point, like, Wild Bill looks a little taken aback. Because, uh, you know, he looks extremely confident up at this point. Like I said, actually beyond confident. It was straight into cocky. And even that little bit arrogant air that the Marines sometimes have. Uh, but he does seem to kind of take it back as he looks down and realizes what you're talking about, that his necklace is on display. Because typically it's not out. Typically he has it covered up. And it, it looks like a simple necklace. It's on uh, a piece of some sort of, uh, actually, it looks like it might be real leather. You know, at second glance, at first you're assuming it's synth, but uh, after that, you're like, that might be the real deal. From where you're standing, you can't tell. It looks like maybe a piece of polished stone, but it's not quite smooth enough on the edges. Maybe a piece of broken off metal, but it doesn't quite look right either. And scratched into the top of it is, uh, or the front of it is, a, a symbol of something, a rune, possibly. Uh, it doesn't look like anything that you guys have seen before, which is maybe what drew Dr. Laura's attention to it in the first place. And you hear Wild Bill kind of stumble on his words just a little bit. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that. Uh, I, it, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it, it came from my old man. It was, he He was, uh, what can I say? Apple in the tree, apple in the tree. Uh, you know, he was a Marine, too. But, um... I, I don't. I don't know. This is all that was it left. It doesn't fall very far. This is. This is when they, you know, when the body came back. This is all he had for personal effects. And, and so, you know, my mom made me wear. You know, man. Like Doctor Laura is getting even more embarrassed because she found. Or she like stepped upon like a sensitive subject. It seems, and is like, oh, I am sorry to bring up the the past. Such. Um. Oh, it's all right, man. And he kind of. You know, the little clap on the back of Dr. Lawrence. Nah, it's no big deal. I just, you know. <laughs> With all that weight on her, you see her almost <laughs> fall. <laughs> uh, and as she almost falls forward, like the camera kind of pans away and blurs out. And then like smash. Sounds cuts. play. Yeah. 
But it kind of like smash cuts back in, and actually you see somebody <laughs> fall in. A PowerPoint wipe. <laughs> uh, but you see somebody actually falling, and it's it's a man. Uh, he's wearing what looks like uh, marine garb, but it's pretty ripped up and torn up and beaten up. And he's running. And it takes you a moment as he gets back up and, and continues to run forward and stumble on. Uh, you realize that he's being chased. And it comes clear that he's probably in a ship of some sort. Uh, you hear the sound of plasma rifles in the distance. And uh, you hear him grow a little closer as he runs up into a hallway. And there's a, a corridor there or a, um, where several hallways meet. And there are two other Marines in there. And they're firing away with their plasma rifles. And he comes in and he joins the fray. And as, as you look down the hallway, coming toward them, you see several strange, horrifying creatures. Creatures that we've now become familiar with, but these Marines clearly uh, don't know what they are, why they're there. But Rolling bad on their panic table. <laughs> it, it, it really is, but they are firing away. Uh, things have clearly broken down at this point in time, and it becomes obvious to the, the viewer that the, these creatures just keep coming. Even though the plasma rifles are effective at cutting some of them down, there's just too many of them. The Marines are not uh, going to hold. Just as they, they get their... The camera cuts away again, and you see the same person running further away. But now you see that his wounds have grown. He's bleeding, and that he no longer has his plasma rifle, but he has a, a pistol. Um, it smashes back to the, the corridor you saw him in before, and you now see the dead Marines with a few more dead alien creatures around him. And just then the ship shudders. Like there's this massive, you know, shaking and noise and metal grinding on metal. and you know, you see the the figure in the, in the camera. He looks and listens around for the sound, but you can see on his face that he, it's it's something he doesn't have wor- you know time to worry about right at the moment as he runs further and further away. Uh, but there is no longer any blaster fire. So then we cut to another scene where on the outside of the ship, you see a second ship has almost crashed into the ship. It doesn't look like a, a so much a crash as though they rammed into part of it. This ship is smaller, far different looking, and on the inside you see. Two more strange creatures step out, and uh, they have the—they look very different than these alien creatures, but alien in their own right. Uh, and as they they step out, their rifles they have on their shoulders become active, and you see the three beams of light focus around the the what's now the cargo hold of this other ship, and they stalk forward, predators hunting their prey. If you were, we smash cut. Uh, what's you know sometimes shortly thereafter, and you now see. These horrible creatures, the aliens and the predators, just locked and into battle. It's it's just it's visceral, it's vicious, it's just you know everything that you want to you know you'd expect out of maybe some gory movie. And you know the the predators are doing an amazing job cutting down these alien creatures, but once again, there's just so many of them. Finally, one of the predators takes a nasty wound and goes down. A couple of the aliens jump on top of him, while the other one kind of rallies a little and cuts several of them down. But just as one of them is getting ready to jump on the remaining predator from behind, you see a bolt of plasma come out and shoot the alien several times off to the side. And with the camera turns and look over, and you see this human that we saw before, this this Marine. Uh, you see him coming out of what's like a, an air vent, and he's now just firing away at these alien creatures as well. Uh, once again, several more are jumping towards the predator. A couple try to come after the, the human. Uh, and it, it's just chaos. Finally, the it, it all seems to be maybe over. There's a few aliens circling the lone predator, 
and the human who has now gone back to back with the predator, waiting for the final uh, the final phase of the battle here. With a leap and a lunge, the aliens come in with claw, fang, and tails. And you see the predator swipe out and grab one while the other one stabs the predator. The third one comes into the human. The human is just firing away. But at the last moment, he makes the decision to, to change the angle of his gun. And instead of shooting the one in front of him, he shoots the one on the back of the predator. And you can see the resolve on his face as he realizes that there's no way he's going to survive this fight no matter what. But maybe, just maybe, the predator can and will kill these aliens and keep them from spreading and getting further. A moment later, we see that's exactly what's happened. The predator, the lone predator, is standing there with his wounds, still alive, but clearly battered and beaten. He grabs his friends and hauls them onto their ship. And the dead predator is now gone. But the, the human that's now laying there, gasping his last breath, he comes up to him, kind of bends down, and says something to him that he doesn't understand, but he makes a symbol, and there's kind of this known agreement. But you can see there is mutual respect, a thank you of some sort. And as the human passes away, the predator reaches over to one of the aliens and breaks off a piece of its skull, wipes it clean, and then brings out, takes off his gloves and brings out a talon and scratches a symbol onto it, straps a piece of leather to it, puts it on the chest of the dead human, and then closes his eyes as if he knows exactly what that means, and then gets on a ship and flies away. And then slowly we fade back to that scene right outside the gym where Wild Bill is standing there, looking back down at his necklace, wondering, why is this the only personal effect his father had on him when they found his body? Wondering why it always trips him up every time that he thinks about it. Honestly, why does he even still wear this silly, stupid thing? He barely knew his father, but they said he was a hero, and that's what he always wanted to do, was be a hero like his father. So he watches Dr. Laura kind of walk away, carrying all of her things with with Ray droning on the way that Ray does constantly. But after a moment, Wild Bill kind of snaps out of that reflection and, and puts that arrogant laugh and smile back on his face and uh, says, Hey man, Dr. Laura, you dropped something, and picks up a, a small book off the, the, the floor of the ship and starts running after them. You're muted. Why does that happen? I can see when you say, like, <laughs> damn it, or whatever. Yep. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um thank you wild bill um it's, it's, it's very important um uh apologies for making a mess um if if you both would like to join me for drinks in the cafeteria i brought a couple of very nice bottles um oh. well as it oh. turns out we marines love drinks hey i'm just happy that somebody's making a mess around here but other than one of us yeah hey old doc like real quick that's a great way to make friends around here Yes, that's the only way I made friends in college. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for future reference, like, don't worry about making messes except in, in the infirmary because I don't like it. Uh, or in your quarters, I guess, because you might not like it. Don't let him fool you, Doc. No, to Ray, Ray hates messes everywhere. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Oh, no, you messes. Sh- you should see the way he cleans the guns. It's ridiculous. It's extremely thorough. This sounds like a story for drinks. <laughs> uh yeah and would would keep pressing on to be able to drop my bags off and and get to the relaxing point in meeting everybody else well it sounds like we need to skip ahead to drinks sure i mean for wild bill being a little drunk really isn't all that different than him normally because he's kind of a little bit of an uh, a cocky arrogant jerk 
So, you know, a little booze in them just makes them talk more. I, I can I can picture me and you as having had multiple drinking contests, you know, and like drunken arm wrestling and that kind of stuff. I, I can see that where it's the, they, you know, neither one of them wants to blink first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's probably the drunker they get, the more dumb the competitions get. Oh, absolutely. It's like, um, you know, who can stand on their head the longest. Yeah. That's a really lame example. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, who can lean back there in their chair on two legs and balance that there way? There you go. The, you know, the, the longest, um, you know, the who can hold their hand over the flame the longest, uh, you know, it, it's stupid stuff like that. Like Currently, I'm taking apples and stacking them vertically on top of each other, and I've gotten to five apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dr. Laura is just kind of like inwardly taking this in, like slowly, ever so slowly sipping her drink. Um because, you know, she's not a very big person, so the, the drinks go a long way, <laughs> uh, especially the way she makes them. <laughs> actually, um, it would be hilarious if Dr. Laura out drank them both. That would be hysterical, actually. <laughs> We're like, at the I end of the she'd night. let herself. Yeah, she's too well, controlled. I mean, I could I could imagine, actually, like, like, you know, we like to have drunken contests and stuff, but I could imagine there being some kind of regulation uh, drink size that you're allowed to have, like, per day or per week or whatever. And we've blown through ours already. Yeah, like- so we're actually, like, lightweights. <laughs> so, That's like- great. Like, we, we both pass out and Dr. Laura casually comes over and grabs the rest of our ration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gets a closer look at that necklace, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I imagine like some of the other crew come through, introductions are made to like the pilots, some of the other marines, um, the the uh, Commander Kaje and Dr. Wick happen through, but it's like really brief, just introducing themselves to the crew and saying there will be a briefing at 0800 in the morning, you know, pr- just prior to departure, and uh, to get settled in and have a good night, and uh, knowing that we're going to get hard and heavy the next day. You know, well, Bill, I was, I was actually pondering the symbolism on your, uh, I, I hate to bring it up again, but anyway, I have something that, uh, I don't know if you'd be interested in, um. She likes your jewelry, man. I start elbowing <laughs> you. And, and I pull out this, uh, what looks like, what looks like a fang or a claw that, uh, she has, like, fashioned into, like, a keychain. Whoa, that's like, <laughs> that, that, whoa, Dr. Laura, that's like the most metal thing I could think of to really pull out on a keychain right now. Are you kidding me? What is that? Uh, yes, um, we aren't exactly sure. Um, we, it, it seems, Dr. Wick found this on another expedition and brought it back for study. And what we found is that it is definitely some kind of organic material of a bone structure. But but much more dense than a human bone. It's 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 alien. I'm not saying it was aliens. Oh, and like aliens. at that moment, because like Bill's been standing there, but he was kind of acting like he wasn't really listening and paying attention. And he slams his fist onto the wall really hard, like jarringly so. You know, I imagine that Dr. Laura probably just you know has that shocked look on his face. Yep. And just then, some music comes on, and he turns around. And he's like. Man, this thing never works. And you realize he was standing in front of, like, what is equivalent of the space jukebox for the... the space jukebox! The, the mess hall, <laughs> trying to get it oh to work. Oh my god, dude, my apples! 
And then like start over. And then like you know he's smacking it, got the music to come on. He's like, all right, man, there we go. Now it's working. Now it's working. So what were you saying about this fang thing? Is that like a shark tooth or what? Space sharks, man. Yeah, space Um, shark. And and you kind of fade back to she she tells the story and like describes like what was going on at that time. And she was just barely finished. She just barely finished presenting her thesis and uh, was working on another project when uh, Dr. Wick returned, an old colleague of hers that she had worked with previously in other. um, Hey, Doc, when you uh, present your thesis for the first time, do you say thesis, my thesis? Uh, this is my thesis. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's what I said. That's actually quite funny. Okay, Dr. Laura's a little tipsy. Because <laughs> she giggles at that. My Wild Bill makes worse jokes the, the more intoxicated he gets. Like that, they go downhill from there. And he he presents like a pile of stuff that was just what they said was in this strange egg sack. It was a collection of things that looked like, kind of like how like raccoons like collect things and, and, and hide it in their den, uh, like shiny objects and stuff like that. That's kind of what it seemed like. It seemed like uh, like like a den of, of a raccoon where they just stashed stuff. Um, but they found it and it was an odd organic material from what they could see, as well as um, other components from a previous expedition that had been there. Just like this, this strange pack rat kind of weasel like thing had created this den and had stored like a bunch of stuff in there. And the tooth was one of the things that was found in there. And it was like the only thing that really stood out as they're starting to pull apart the sack and like dig through the contents. And, and like one of those like, um, oh, moments as she like plucks it out and like holds it up and looks at it in the light and then like sets it down and grabs gloves and tweezers and and the microscope and everything and pulls it over and she's looking at it and dr wicks there over her shoulder so what do you think we have it is definitely organic doctor and it seems to be of a bone structure Uh, repeating everything that you know it's it's basically what she had told you already and that is how I ended up here aboard the ship. Um, we are going back to search for more objects and possibly other life. Whoa. Like aliens and stuff, huh, man? That is um, one of my specialties. Um, molecular and uh, t- extraterrestrial um, biology. Have you ever, like, seen an alien before? Um, not in a live setting. Did it go phone home or whatever? Isn't that what they say? Nah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a good one. What I mean? No, no, Ray. Come on. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Like, no, oh, that's crazy, though. From the descriptions and the illustrations, I don't think it will be that friendly of a creature. Well. I'm going to need more nap relief. If you would like at some point to, to stop on my, I can show you many of the illustrations that I do have. Like, you draw pictures and stuff of aliens. Um, some it is it is part of the training for my doctorate. Um, but I also have Wait, others that specialize. You get to be a doctor by drawing pictures of aliens. <laughs> it, it hey, is... Bill, you could be a doctor. <laughs> Holy, I'm in the wrong business, man. Like this whole time, we're out here, you know, sweating it up and grunting it up as a marine, and we could have just yeah. been drawing alien pictures. Yes, that's how easy it is. Um, a little, a little like frustrated with with <laughs> getting a little frustrated with Wild Bill. Well, if the perks are like 
the coolest keychain in the universe. She, like, she rolls her great. eyes. She rolls her eyes like, oh, he's one of those kind of drunks. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ray's smile is even bigger, if possible. And he's just like, everything is amazing to him. And he's just like, whoa, you know. Hey, guys, well, do you um, think I could balance this banana in the middle of the apple stack? I bet you can't. Bananas <laughs> I bet I can. You can't mix apples and bananas, man. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I'll tell you what I can mix. I will mix you another drink before I go to bed. Uh, thank you, thank you for the time um, and and introducing yourselves to me. Another drink? I knew I was going to like you, Doc. I cheers you with my glass. <laughs> it's pretty much the dregs at this point. It's like the last little bit of the bottle, and she just doesn't want to have to carry them all the way back to save for another okay- occasion. She's just trying to like get rid of all of it and like passing out drinks to like some of the others that are nearby like if the pilot's still hanging out or any of the other marines you're just like instantly probably the most popular person on the ship (laughs) (laughs) but it was all i had (laughs) i don't have any more so 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 that's where we're going huh to like look for alien life that's crazy man i don't know if the alien life will exist where we are going but it is closer to the stuff that we found. Well, that's just... Okay, so it's like... It's weird, because, like... You know, I told you, like, my childhood nickname is uh, Kaimi. And it means, like, the seeker. Like, somebody who looks for stuff. And, um... And anyway, it's my childhood... It was my childhood nickname. It's, like, my middle name. And, like, it was my childhood nickname, and people made fun of me for it, because I used to get lost, like, all the time. Like, constantly, when I was little. I mean, like, less than eight. I was, like, getting lost just constantly. And, you know, uh, my family would always tease me for it and be like, oh, what are you looking for? Oh, like, who are you after this time? And I would just, like, wander off. And um, my mom told me once when I was, like, five, I went through a phase where I just find whoever looked like like the nicest grandma and just, like, go up and be like, hi, I'm Kaimi, and, like, smile. And, like, because I had, I guess, figured out that they would give me fruit or candy or something and and just be nice to me which they almost always did um and then like this one time uh we were gonna be visiting my dad he was supposed to be visiting this one like military base ahead of a uh a mission right and we were supposed to be visiting and like off i wander into this military base and the funny thing is so i never used to be like panicked or anything because stuff just always worked out you know, uh, I mean, I, I grew up in a small town where like everybody knew everybody else. Everybody was your auntie. Even if they weren't related to you, they were your auntie. And so probably they would just like call my mom and be like, yo, he's at our house. And uh, but the funny thing is that like once you get past security and stuff like that, if you just act like you belong there, basically nobody questions it. And if anybody was like, what's this kid doing here? I'd just be like, hi, I'm Kaimi. And I would be like, where's the bathroom? Because that was a good thing to ask grown-ups, I had realized. And I like wander in, there was all these guys like walking in the same direction. And I went into the same room as them and sat down when they sat down. And it turned out it was like a meeting to like plan this mission that my dad was going on. And he wasn't in the room, but I had just like sat down and they just like, they eventually realized I was in there and they were like, what are you doing? And I was thought to myself, like, what's the, like something important that like adults talk about? And I just was like, Oh, have you heard about the stock market? Because that's like where my my mind went immediately. Um, 
Anyway, I don't remember how the story started, but it was just like the the you know, and then they eventually found my mom again. But that 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 was the first thing that my like little eight year old brain thought of was like, <laughs> have you heard about the stock market? But anyway, it's uh so uh. My uh my aunties used to tease me that they should actually use the the other part of my compound name is um uh Nalowale, which is like a missing person. And they said that like that should be what they called me all the time. It was like every time that I went missing, they were like, Oh, Kaimi, we should call you the other part of your of your compound name, Nalawale, you know. Uh so like a missing missing person. Not anymore. Here I am. Anyway, now we're seeking aliens. That's crazy. Kaimi? Kaimi Nalowale. It's like my, so like Raymond is like the first name on my birth certificate, but not uh, after my dad. But uh, yeah, so like my auntie gave me this compound name, which is like uh, Kaimi Nalowale. And it's like, so Kaimi is like the seeker of, and then Nalowale is like a lot, somebody who's missing, like somebody who's looking for missing people. And I never really got it. You know, sometimes people used to ask me if I wanted to be like, Search and rescue. I've never done anything like that. Hey, man, that's kind of what we're doing now, right? Oh, we're searching. You certainly have the um, rescue part. It is is in your blood. You are a seeker of those that are lost. It is very fitting. Well, I definitely rescue guys. Put band-aids on Bill when he stubs his toe, you know. Now I just hope I can find my way back to my bunk. Hey, man, I have sensitive toes. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to kiss it better again after last time. You kissed it? I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. Hey, do you think I can get two bananas in this apple stack? So, as Dr. Laura pours out the last few drinks, um, and and they all sit around, and they're telling stories about how they came about, how they got on the ship, how uh, the different commands that, that some of the other Marines have been in. Yeah, man, like, uh, I've been on a couple of detachments before, but uh, nah, no, nah, none of my none of my old crew made it over to this one. They sent me they sent me on this ship a couple years back, and I've been here ever since. It's just me and listening to Ray cleaning the damn guns. You know you love it. Over I have a voice and like an over angel. And over, yeah, but like, <laughs> didn't angels become devils and all that? Uh, only if they like fall, and I've never done that. Uh huh. That's not what your voice says, man. <laughs> and and what about you, Ray? Um, is this your first medic posting? Yeah, I've been with this ship for uh, I don't know. I guess uh, almost as long as Wild Bill, but this is my first um posting. Well, so far, it's been interesting. I mean, these guys keep going and getting themselves hurt, and then I patch them up, and that's my job, and that's what I like, and that's what I do. Well, it's it's good to know that uh, there are people that I can rely on knowing the ship well. Um. And if you need assistance with anything, uh, I do have a little bit of um, uh, communications technology under my belt as well. And um, please, uh, if if you find anything odd um, as you're doing your research or healing um, for for your job post, um, please let me know. I am always interested to, to yeah, assist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And I like. I'm like kind of leaning conspiratorially over to you and i'm like yeah so there's something odd actually in this room with us right now and like i didn't want to mention it (laughs) 
How did you know, hey, yo? Hey, man, I'm right here. <laughs> giggle, giggle, like drunken giggle. <laughs> it was just a, uh, you know, an educated guess. Oh, so educated. That's what we get for bringing more eggheads onto this shit, man. Oh. Uh, uh, looking at the time on uh, on the wall, uh, I'm gonna be like, "Well, thank you so much, Ray. Thank you, Wild Bill. Um, I believe I shall turn in to get some uh, good rest before the briefing tomorrow morning. I expect to see you there." Wait, what are you turning into? Sorry, I'm in- just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, don't listen to Ray. Have a good night, Doc. And let's hope that the briefing is brief. It never is. Um, thank you. And sheepishly wanders off. Dumping a couple of <laughs> bottles in like the recycling bin and everything, or the the con- whatever it is. <laughs> Space recycling. Space recycling. <laughs> Space cycling. Acme space recycling. <laughs> space cycling just made me think of like you know the Wicked Witch of the West when she's flying her bicycle through the tornado, but like through space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Dr. Laura will wander back, uh, meticulously unpack everything else that she didn't pull out initially, spend a little time misting her plant, and then um, rolls over and calls it a night. Ray's probably going to wander down through the uh, through the infirmary. I just have some basic kind of like ibuprofen level, like, you know, stuff for ne- the next morning's headache. I'm going to be sure to drink enough water. And get some electrolytes in me. Uh, make sure everything's put away. Straighten a couple of my stuff in their uh, in their little. Uh, this is a spaceship, so he probably has like drawers with molded foam uh, spaces for all of his instruments and things like that. Just make sure everything's tidied away. Switch off all the lights in the order that I like, and then I'm gonna head back to my quarters. I mean, I suppose Wild Bill probably hangs out. Uh, way longer than he should. Waits to see if anybody leaves anything in their glass. <laughs> um, probably. It's probably a, a little, you know, if anybody were paying attention, it's actually, you know, he always has that competitive front, but you kind of see that he doesn't really want the party to end. You know, he he kind of hangs out till everybody leaves until he finally realizes that he's alone, which he clearly doesn't like. And when it's, it's clear that nobody's coming back and everybody has crashed for the night, he finally heads off on his own with a bit of a sullen look on his face. Uh, you know, the, the cockiness is gone, the arrogance is gone, as he slowly heads back to his room, alone, and that's all I got to say about that. And we'll find out what happens next. <laughs> Time on, on the, the Gothic, Gothic Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. Yes, interesting indeed. They forget themselves. They get lost in the story. I do not have those constraints. I am fully myself. Fully Lazarus Cain. Is this because of the rituals I cast, preparing for the time of transcendence? Did those magics work, even though... Translation happened sooner than I was prepared for? In the end, it does not matter. It will not matter. I am fully myself, aware of myself and my purpose. That is what is important. That 
and bringing them into awareness as well, making sure that we are all <laughs> on the same page. I am fully myself, but it is easy still to get lost here, here in this, yes, they are the light. They are the beacons that shine through this black void, drawing me to them, not like a moth doomed to throw itself upon the searing fire of an unexpected sun, but like, like a ship sailing upon moonless seas, seeing the welcoming firefly glow of a lighthouse upon a craggy shore. There is danger in striving toward it, but also great reward. Hmm, I grow melodramatic here in the darkness. A result of this eternity of time for thought and for preparation as they stumble about in their pursuit of what? They wish to save the lost, as young Haven Harrow told them. To what end? Do they think that in doing so they can save themselves as well? No, they think nothing, save the thoughts given to them by their stories. They don't know what waits in the pauses between paragraphs. They don't remember what hunts them. Me. The Gothic Podcast is a humor and horror actual play podcast produced by C. Patrick Nagel, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Richard Southard. Season 3 of The Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Alien RPG, produced by Free League Publishing and Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland and original artwork by Jared George Art. If you enjoy The Gothic Podcast, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Visit our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds, and check out our Patreon page. Thanks! Tipsy Ray, that's his stripper name. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> we we do have to say this is not the musical episode. Oh, we should have made this oh, the musical oh episode. Oh, <laughs> why? Just just to present that to Patrick and be like, na 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 na. We did a musical episode without you. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. We can There's sing all of 99 plasma we, rifles on the wall. We are the Space Marines. We like shooting things. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha!